Hi, Ben here. Before we jump in, I just wanted to say thanks for tuning in. This podcast is an experiment, and whether or not it's successful depends on you. So if you like the show, please take a minute to give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It makes a big difference. And remember, I'm posting useful links on the show page at inverseconverse.com. That's it. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Inverse Converse. I'm Ben Miller, and I'm talking today with Lenore Skenazy, who is, a, in addition to being a fun and charming <laughs> and delightful <Uh-oh>. personality, <laughs> also has the distinction of being universally recognized as um, the world's worst mom. Well, America's worst mom, for sure, and to a certain extent, the world's worst. Yeah. Okay, okay, so you, there's still room to Right, right, them. right. You know, there might be somebody in Kuala Lumpur that we just don't know about yet. <laughs> Well, you've told this story a thousand times, but for listeners who aren't familiar, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to say a bit about what a terrible mother you are? And Oh, yeah. Um, when my son was nine years old, he asked my husband and me if we would take him to some place he'd never been before and let him find his own way home on the subway. And we, my husband and I, decided yes. And so one sunny Sunday, I took him to Bloomingdale's and a fancy department store and a fancy zip code. And I left him behind with telling him first that that was the day. You know, it wasn't like he was looking around, where's mom? Um, And I went home one way and he went home by the subway. And when he got home, he was so happy and proud um, that I wrote a column about it. And two days after the column appeared, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR uh, wow. being described as America's worst mom because right. I'd let my son do something on his own. And from that, I started a blog trying to explain that, that weekend that I love safety, not anti-safety, and I wanted my son to come home just as much as any other mom did. I just don't think that our kids need a security detail Every time they leave the house. Don't so, you realize that the world is full of predators? and that's Well, that was, you know, the whole predator thing. I, I mean, I felt pretty safe with my son in the subway because we're on the subway all the time. And I believe in um, most people are good. And I certainly believe in safety and numbers. I wouldn't live in New York if I didn't right. believe there was safety and numbers. So um, that's when I started hearing just how much uh, fear there was of stranger danger. And as the blog evolved, and I think the reason you're talking to me today about um, the topic that we're going to be talking about, which is sex offenders and predators, um, I started hearing um, just how much our fear of basically the boogeyman had seeped into the culture and then the laws to the point where um, we've really gone overboard in um, in trying to protect children from um, almost from from very unlikely scenarios. Right, and this is a fairly recent phenomenon. It's happened very quickly. It did. I mean, the the thing that people always say is like, oh well, you know, why why could I play outside when I was growing up? How come I was allowed to walk to school? How come my crossing guard was a ten year old when I was five? I mean, well, well, things were safer back then. It's like now we know. It's like. My mom knew that this was not a perfect world mm-hmm. when she was sending me and, and my sister off to school. Um, but we are so hyper aware of the most unusual stories, really, um, 
Like my mom couldn't have, you know, taken out her hand and said, okay, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Smart, J.C. Dugard, Adam Walsh, Aton Patz, the way mm. um, parents can now. Mm. We have all these stories imprinted on our brains. And since they're there, it feels like we're sending our kids out into, you know, uh, the jungle when they leave the house. And, and so that's what's different is that all these stories have um, gotten so much publicity and become so much a part of our brains. And if I can ramble on for one last sentence, our brains work like Google. You know, <laughs> if you, there's just all sorts of stuff up there. And when you ask it a question, is my kid safe at the bus stop? Up pops the picture of Aton Pats taken from the bus stop. The most tragic story that the you most can tragic story, uh, you know, J.C. Dugard taken from the bus stop and not right. seen for uh, you know eighteen years, and now even though, know, of course, the reason that we remember these stories is precisely because they're so rare. Because they're so rare, and because they have pictures. Right. You know, you cannot right. picture the the literally hundred million children who have gone to school since Aton Pats was taken from the bus stop, mm-hmm. and um, because these picture stories become you know are the top results of the of the search your brain also thinks that the easiest things to recall the top the top items in your search are the most relevant and so you start thinking like oh my god we need you know first of all i can't let my kid outside secondly we need more laws we need more laws to keep these predators away from our children and you'll see as we talk today there are laws that literally prevent anybody who's been convicted of a sex offense, which is an incredibly broad range of people. Mm-hmm. Some of them scary, most of them not. Um, can't live near a bus stop. Can't yeah. live near a school. Yeah, which in any urban area, in many rural areas, is Inevitable. prevents you from living right. almost anywhere. Right. There's in Rhode Island, they just changed the law that if you were living with five within five hundred feet of a school or a bus or a bus stop or any any place where children might convene. This includes a dock. (laughs) A dock. Dock. Somewhere I had to move from from, because he was near a dock. You know, all those children convening on docks these days. Um, What, to go fishing? (laughs) They weren't. But yeah, in in people's (laughs) minds, I guess that's what happens at docks. It's just a child magnet. Um, Anyway, so Rhode Island just proposed a law which passed, which said it doesn't matter if you've been living within 500 feet of this school or playground for 20 years, which some people were. Now you have to move 1,000 feet away. And it's just... It's just out of nowhere. It's a it's an idea pulled out of some legislator's ass. Right. There's no. This is. Let's be clear. This is not based on any kind of evidentiary no, no analysis. No empiricism. Right. And in fact, if you read any of the studies that have been done, this is not ambiguous. Um, there has been uh, no study that has proven that children are safer because of these uh, what they call restriction laws. I can't remember. Like like uh, where you're allowed to live. Mm-hmm. I've heard from people in the sex offender world who aren't allowed to drive to their job because they have to drive past a school, which would mean that they're passing through in their car through a school zone. So they have to go like five miles in a circle around really? the school zone. I've heard from people who had to weren't allowed because you're, once you're convicted of a sex offense, no matter what it is, I don't care if you streaked across the football field or peed in public or went to a prostitute, all these things can end up uh, can end you up on the sex offender registry. Um, you're not allowed to talk to anyone under 18. Um, the assumption that the second you are, either you'll be compelled to rape them or you'll be so turned on that something mm-hmm. terrible happens mm-hmm. um, or that you'll start grooming them so that you can't, you can't, buy a, a hamburger at McDonald's through the drive-thru lane because what if the person saying, may I take your order, please, is a 16-year-old? 
That's a little extreme. It's is it's all extreme. I mean, that's what's so interesting about the sex offender laws. Right, they right. they bear so There seems little, to be no limit. No limit to on the how onerous these laws can become. And how how fanciful. I mean, mm-hmm. the law that I talk about every year right in October is the laws that have popped up in different parts of the country on Halloween where um Sex offenders are not allowed to wear a costume. Um, they have to turn out their lights if they're at home. They have to put up a sign, no candy here, or no trick-or-treaters. Or sometimes they're all gathered together um, and and forced to sit in the police station for the duration and, of and Halloween. Watch films. Right. Right, right. The, right. Yeah. And right. Watch cheerleader films. No, the to, point... To sort of... To, to, um, what we're circling, circling around here mm-hmm. is um, in the article that we're talking about today is a piece uh, from the New Yorker by a journalist named Sarah Stillman. All, all, all reverence is due to Sarah Stillman. She did the greatest article I've ever read on anything. <laughs> the great. article is called The List, and it's, about, it's, it's really about this Kafkaesque collection of laws and regulations at the state and the federal level, which have emerged over the last hundred years, but mostly uh, most since particularly, the 90s, yeah. right, which, um, which are focused ostensibly on protecting children from sex offenders. Mm-hmm. This is not the sort of article that you should read a paragraph or two from and, and figure you've read what you need to. Right. This is an article that will demand your attention once you dive into it. The mm-hmm. stories are so appalling. They're, they're frightening. They're shocking. It, the whole thing is shocking. And, and the fact of the matter is when you say like, wow, our sex offender laws are bad, people automatically assume that there's something wrong with you because don't you want to keep children safe? And I would say that keeping children safe is pretty much at the top of my list. You know, it's a priority for me. But pretend safety at the expense of people's lives is, is pretty low on my list. So why don't we talk about one or two of the anecdotes that Sarah writes about in mm-hmm. this piece, because mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that makes the tragedy of these mm-hmm. laws more apparent than the concrete effects that they've had on people's lives. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story, because it's a friend of mine is in there, um, a man named Josh Gravens, who, when he was 12, growing up in um, very rural Texas, played doctor with his sister and touched her vagina twice. He admits it. His sister admits it. His sister's long since forgiven him, but she told the mom, and the mom didn't know what to do. And so the mother called uh, a local Christian counseling center, and um, counselors are mandated reporters. They, they have to report. They have a legal obligation. They have a legal obligation. And yet I would also say that at some point you have to think, like, does this make sense to hand this over? We're talking about a kid playing doctor to the authorities. But it was turned over to the authorities who immediately – descended upon uh, the Graven's household, and asked Josh, was this true? Yes, it was, took him away, and he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison, which is called, I think, juvenile detention in Texas. But once there, I mean, his stories are pretty amazing. First of all, the, the therapy that's given just sounds like a mishmash of somebody like once heard of Freud, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you have to gather in a circle and all admit all the, the victims that you've had. And if you say, well, I touched my sister twice, then it sounds like you're in denial, Josh. Right. Tell right. us the There's truth. No right. And so eventually he, like so many of the other kids there, had to, you know, they're young. <laughs> you know, they, they haven't had 
a ton of victims. We tend to believe that sex offenders are incorrigible and insatiable, and in our mind, and in the mind of the therapist at this particular prison, everybody must have had so many victims. So if you, until you start making them up, you sound like you're um, not cooperating. The horrible thing about making them up is that, first of all, how gross that you have to make up rapes and then pretend like you did them, and, and then you have to reenact them in front of your friends there at the prison. But then it also is held against you when it's time to let you out or time for parole. Well, Josh, you said that you had all these other victims. It's like, well, I was lying. Well, you were lying then or are you lying now? Sure, I mean, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's extremely Well, this is familiar to anyone who's read The Crucible. It's familiar to anybody who's thought about like the KGB or any kind of incredible system that um, catches you up and won't let you go. It's like, you know, you talk about predators, it's really like a lion, mm. you know, just has its its kill in its mouth and tosses it mm. back and forth mm. and there's no way to get out. But I wanted to tell you one other part of Josh's story. The amazing thing about Josh is what a wonderful person he is now. And he's an activist, not just for um, better sex offender laws, but also to make it so that prisoners don't have to pay a dollar a minute to make phone calls, this right, kind of thing. Right. But he said that actually when he got to prison, he was illiterate because he was homeschooled by a mom who hadn't homeschooled him. So he was 12 um, when he was convicted and 13 when he got to prison. And in prison, he started reading and he discovered that he loved to read. And he said that so he would be reading um, Harry Potter, I guess he was reading, or maybe it was before Harry Potter. He was reading something like that. But he said, but down the row from him, he said it wasn't unusual to look up and see somebody reading Dr. Seuss. Really? Because you're talking about kids. Yeah. Well, and that's indicative of something that you see in several of the anecdotes that Sarah writes about is these people who I think we can describe as victims of, of a twisted system, mm -hmm. these people on the sex offender registry, they are driven. They want to lead a well-adjusted normal life. Mm -hmm. They want to have a family. They mm -hmm. want to have Exemplary. friends. Right, right. And they will do whatever they think they have to to get there. Mm -hmm. But at every step, the system is fighting them, saying, no, you can't mm -hmm. be normal. You can't, no. once you, you can't once integrate. You, see, you can't the, rehabilitate. It's this label. I mean, somehow we labeled Josh a sex offender for playing doctor, which in... Um, most people's minds equals serial child rapist. You think of Jeffrey Dahmer as a sex offender. And so um, we have this gigantic overarching umbrella and we've put almost a million people under right. it. There's about 850,000 right? people on the registry now. And uh, Georgia did a study of the sex offender list and its efficacy. And they have 17,000 people on their list. And they found that of them, in terms of violent sexual predators, the ones that you know you really think of, that right. uh, of the 17,000, there were 100. 100. 100. So the other 16,900 are people who seem to pose no elevated risk. Uh, I think some post some elevated risk. Okay. I, I can't remember if it's 5% or 10 or even 20%. But... But in terms of sexually violent right, predator, right. Um, the person for whom we have Megan's Law named, you know, right. a guy who takes a child off the street, rapes and kills her. Um, that That's was, a half of a percent. Yeah. Yeah. So why, why is there no, why do we have 850,000 people on a list which seems to be incapable of differentiating between serious, repeated, 
passionate crimes mm-hmm. versus innocent folly. Um, right, or the you know people who were within you know uh, you know two teens. You know you can get on the list for sexting. Right, you of can course, get. Of course there was a story in Utah where it was a thirteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old, and they were both found guilty of sexually exploiting a minor and then they were the victim in each other's case (laughs) you know it just gets pretty that's uh, absurd i'll say yeah and who are the judges who are are looking at these cases and thinking these kids are likely to be repeat offenders yeah Yeah, you know what it's not only kids here's one story that i'm remembering and i'm sorry i'm leaving the sarah stillman piece because this was a case that a wife wrote to me her husband had been golfing at the end of the tournament, there were uh, people washing the clubs for them. And one of them, you know, whoever was washing his clubs, it was a charity match, was a 17-year-old girl. And he says he didn't do this, but somebody did this, whether it was him or not. Somebody was a jerk. And in giving her the tip, took the $5 bill and stuck it down her shirt, which is an asshole thing to do. You know, don't touch me, you asshole. That's what I would say. All right, slap him. But this case ended up going before a judge. And the judge said, you know, I don't even want to give you jail time. You know, this was a bad thing to do, but I don't want you to lose your job. I don't want you to have to leave your family. So I'm just going to do what's the minimum I can do. Oh, well, let's see. It's sexual contact. It's contact of a sexual nature with a minor, 17-year-old. You're in your 20s. I have to put you on this, you know, the list here. The, 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 the requirement is that I put you on the sex offender list for 25 years. Right. And this is the minimum in... That was the many, minimum. That was in, states, I think that was in Michigan. So then yeah. what that means is that he and his wife now have kids. He cannot go to the school to watch a play. He cannot drop his children off there. Nobody can come over to his house to play with his kids because he's a sex offender and they see his name on a list. And, you know, with the Internet, everybody who's on the sex offender list is immediately Googleable. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, even if you were... Say you were a 14-year-old and for some reason you'd had sex with a 12-year-old. You know, it's nothing that we want for either the 14-year-old or the 12-year-old, but you would hope you could put it behind you at some point. But instead, you're 14 years old. 14, by the way, is the is the number one age of people on the sex offender list. 14. 14 is the most common age. You think it's 35 or 42, you know, some guy with a beer belly. No, 14, because 14-year-olds have sex with younger kids. Right. You know, I right. mean, young kids have sex with young kids. And right. you have, basically, people have sex with people pretty much their own age, unless they're like an oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it says as this as the fourteen year old becomes twenty four, becomes thirty four. You know, the the crime is sex with a twelve year old. Now it looks like you're right, and you see a, now a current picture of this yes. person. Oh my god, yes, sex with a twelve year old. That's right. disgusting. Right. That's horrible. Right. Well, and, and this ties into the idea that I find really appalling about one of the unique problems, I think, with the sex offender registry as mm-hmm. as compared to punishment meted out for other types of crimes is that it's really a double punishment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you have the punishment by the law. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. because in the United States, the sex offender registry is by law public, mm-hmm. you also have the punishment of society. That is, which is so so onerous and so overwhelming. I mean, everybody ends up getting threatened at some point, and you know, there's a, a lot of swaggering and like, I'll show that sex offender who's boss. I mean, there's. I once heard somebody saying, or maybe somebody wrote to my blog saying that, like, in a fractured society, when we can't agree on, you know, 
religion or politics or, um, you know, what's the best reality show? You know, everybody's gone in a million directions. The one thing that almost unites us is we hate sex offenders. And so it's, it's like football. It's this one unifying thing that we have. And there's also this deal that like, it's an easy way to score points. You know, you can say, well, whatever else, I'm going to keep our children safe. And so that's why in Rhode Island, they just changed the law from people who'd been living in the same house for 20 years now have to move 500 feet further away from the school. Well, obviously, that's pointless. Yeah. But if you say to your constituents, I care about our children, sex offenders are living too close to the schools, I'll do something. Most people aren't going to go, wait a minute, if somebody's been there for 20 years, they've been on the sex offender list that long, they haven't reoffended, or they'd be in jail. You know, people aren't thinking that way. They're thinking, yeah. good. And and if you say, maybe we don't have to do it, it's like, are you not in favor yeah. of helping yeah. our innocent children? Well, it's the same story as the drug war, right? It's very similar there to are, the drug war. There are a lot of parallels. It's, it's extremely. Some men. people, you know, hypothesize that as we start realizing we must decriminalize. You know, we've just gone really way overboard. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you got prisons to fill. Right, know? right. It's funny to think. I mean, we have, in this country, we've incarcerated, what, two and a half million people, three million people, right? Mm-hmm. And a good portion of this incarceration is thanks to drug convictions, mm-hmm. oftentimes for possession of small quantities. Mm-hmm. And nonviolent. Nonviolent offenses, right. Now we have a million people mm-hmm. who are on the sex offender registry mm-hmm. who, uh, of course, many of them serve jail time, mm-hmm. but even those who don't mm-hmm. and those who have been released mm-hmm. are still in very real ways in prison. Oh, it is very difficult because um, not only is your picture on the web, uh, your address is there, so you're vulnerable to any vigilantes. Your your employer is on the web, and, and no employer wants people to Google the local Burger King and say, oh, my God, you have a sex offender there. I right. can't believe it. How disgusting. Right. My child right. ate there. Now what? I mean, people don't yeah. even think they get so upset. So then they find it very hard to keep employment. And ironically, sex offenders have a very low recidivism rate, which people think is the opposite. People think it's very high. The sex offender recidivism rate is somewhere between 5 and maybe 13%, which mm-hmm. is second lowest only to murderers, okay? Mm. But people think that they're always going to reoffend. And the the reason that sex offenders often go back to prison is is not it's not a sex offense. It's you know, they're they're desperate, they don't have a job or whatever. Or say you're you're you don't have much money and you have a bad car and you have to go to register, you know, once a year, twice a year, four times a year, you have to get to the registry and it's only open certain hours of the day and you have to get there. And if you miss it by a day, which is what happened with our friend Josh that I was talking about earlier, he thought he had to be there. You have to register anytime you change anything, which means if you change your address, you change your job. You get a new email address, you have to go register that. You decide to grow a beard or shave a beard, you have to go register that. Yeah, get a tattoo, got to go register that. Anyways, he had changed houses, and he left on a Wednesday, and he was coming to the registry on a Wednesday. Well, to them, that was a week, over a week. That was eight days, and to him, it was a week. So um, because every time you do something wrong, according to the terms of your registration, which this was, it's not as if you had a snafu 
or you were a day late, or you know, you're going to get a slap on the wrist because you didn't fill out this form right. It is treated as if you have raped a child anew. <laughs> it is treated as another sex offense. So here you are, you had one sex offense already, and now look, another one. It's called a sex offense, even though it's a really? technical violation. And so therefore, he was facing a possible 25 years in prison. For, for being a day late. For being a day late. Wow. Yeah. Don't, don't you feel your kids are safer now? I'll tell you, I feel my kids are really unsafe. I have two teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like it, it could happen to anyone. Well, that's the ironic thing, or perhaps the scariest thing. I mean, there's a lot that's scary about these laws, but... This story about Anthony Metz that, that um, Sarah Stilwell wrote about in The New Yorker, he was called in originally. He was working at some camp. Some Somebody had some robbery. Some minor thing was missing. They called him in. The police called him in to, to question him about that. And while they had him, hell, why not right. go on a fishing expedition? They said, by the way, have you had any sex with any girls? And he was so eager to, like, you know, you're with the police. You don't want to say anything sure, wrong. Sure. So I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I had a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I just sleep with her. Yeah, I did. Anyone else? Yeah, uh, yeah I did. You know, he'd, he'd screwed around a little yeah. uh, with nobody who considered themselves uh, a victim or, or um, you know, somebody who'd been raped. They were just girls who had sex with him. That's it. And And yet, because... One of them was like more than three years younger or was three years younger. That labels you a sex offender. And then what we're just saying this whole time is that once you get that label, you are treated like a monster. Yeah. Everything you do yeah. can and will be used against you, including where you live and what time you're out. You know, there's a case this past year of Zach Anderson in um, Michigan, who had sex with a girl he met on Hot or Not. He was 19. She said she was 17. You have to be 17 to be on Hot or Not. It turned out that she was actually 14. She didn't want to prosecute him. Her mother said, please don't prosecute him. But now, look, they had a live one. You know, look, we got one no, on the hook. No. And he was taken in front of the judge. And the judge said, oh, you went on the Internet to have sex with a girl? Well, I'll teach you. And, you know, he sent the boy to jail for... 90 days, and then afterwards he would not be allowed to be on the internet <laughs> for the next five years, and then he would be on the sex offender list for 25 years. And I talked to him. He eventually um, got a new sentencing because his story ended up on the front page of the Times, New York Times. But what was interesting is not only did he have to move, he was the one who lived near a dock. His family oh, house right. was near a dock, so his family had to find him a house that was not near you know, a school, a bus stop, a church, a daycare center, a playground, or a park. And they did. And not only could he not be online, he got a phone, and he had to actually break the camera to prove that he wouldn't be taking pictures with the camera. But he had to be home every night at 8 while he was still trying to get another sentencing, you know, while he was still under the, um, the first sentence of the 25 years on the uh, sex offender list. And also at any moment... The FBI could call, I'm not sure it's the FBI, but the, the, the authorities could call and say, we're going to come and do a spot check of your home. And you know what would have gotten him reconvicted? What? If they had found um, a G-rated movie. A G-rated movie? A G-rated movie because that would prove that he was looking at kids. Wow. Yeah! <laughs> 
thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, talk about bizarre uh, and, absurdities yeah. Yeah. that you could yeah. not believe our government is yeah. coming up with. Right. They're just spinning stuff out of thin air. Right. It and, reminds and me very much of the satanic panics in the in mm-hmm. the early nineties when we really believed, oh, and then what did your teacher do? Well then they killed a baby and we had to mm-hmm. drink the blood and mm-hmm. then they flew us down to Mexico. Oh, okay. It's like yeah. wh- when do we talk about Well and you combine paranoia mm-hmm. with prosecutorial overreach. Right. With police misconduct, mm-hmm. the story with Anthony. Yeah, how come the police who, were allowed to ask right, him about sex when they were trying? Right. Without counsel, of course. Inquiry. He's a juvenile. It. Right. It's like the Central Park Five. You know, mm-hmm. you put someone under interrogation mm-hmm. for long enough, you're going to get them to say what, what right. you want them to say, and uh, if what you want them to say implicates them as a sex offender. Which law. is pretty easy if you're a male and has sex, <laughs> right? Right. Then, so then that's the that in in certain way. I mean, that is that could be the end of this person's life. We, mm-hmm. The the consequences of these convictions they're very very serious. It's not just a matter of finding a place that you're legally allowed to live, though no, that's there's... difficult enough. Uh, you know, a parent can't uh, allow their children to have friends over. Um, oh, there's different things. Sometimes to, you have to, to some and... places you have to answer the door. Um, hello, I'm a sex offender. Right. You know, do you want to come in? There was another one for this Anthony kid and for many other hundreds of thousands of people. Um, one of the things they do to, to check up on them and to see if they're better is they use this thing that's a colloquial called, colloquially called a Peter meter, which is, it's like wires that the authorities attach to your penis and then they show you videos and the guy who was explaining the videos that they show is um said they can't show anybody young because then they'd be showing child porn so they have to show young looking but of legal age actresses and he said and then in your ears they play they play like weird gruff sounding evil sounding men and if you like if your penis gets excited when you're i want to rape her or something like that that somehow is considered evidence that you yourself um are a rapist and so you can't close your eyes you have to like press a button whenever a number appears on the screen so that they know that you're watching so you're watching the screen and you're hearing these mutterings in your ear and there's wires attached to your penis and thanks to this this right. great invention right. that sounds like something out of mad magazine yes. you know mad magazine written by the nazis uh, you know <laughs> then well yeah, they can... and stillman writes about this mm-hmm. this machine uh, mm-hmm. evidently it was uh, created in czechoslovakia mm-hmm. as a method of uh, determining when soldiers were pretending to be gay so mm-hmm. as to avoid military service mm-hmm. so they would have wires strapped up to their penis right. and if they were aroused by mm-hmm. images of women mm-hmm. then you'd know that they weren't actually right. then gay, off they right? went <laughs> right and that seems sensible enough right yeah that that seemed like a great idea at the time right because right. if there's one thing we all know about penises it's how reliable <laughs> yes and right right and, and also and, pre-war czechoslovakian yeah. technology <laughs> right. that's what i right. want my right. justice system using in 21st century america absolutely 
So there's just all these absurdities. Um, you know, Josh tells me that he had to take, you have to keep a masturbation journal. Uh, you have to. Well, I think we all do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's called a diary. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to show it to somebody. Uh, somebody else said anytime he wanted to have sex with his wife, I think he had to get approval. And, you know, you'd think it would be if you've served your time, how come you still have to have all this? misery after you're out of prison all these absurd rules and check-ins and peter meters and uh you know putting up signs on your lawn you know a sex offender lives here and, and not allowed to you know wear a costume anyways you'd think all that would be considered Ill illegal or unconstitutional but when this when it went to the supreme court when this issue of like community notification as it's called you know letting people uh, know that being forced to tell the world that you're a sex offender and you live near them went to the supreme court it was actually like almost pre-internet days and so the supreme court said this is fine because it's not punishment they said it wasn't punishment it was just community notification mm -hmm. and that is so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as yeah, wrong true. as it was then, it's wrong a thousand times more now that we do have the internet mm -hmm. and everybody's so easily findable yeah. on it. Yeah. Right. And you know, your your family really suffers. You're the kid of somebody who's on the sex offender list, you know, everybody's scared of your dad. They don't want to see him around their children. They don't want you necessarily around their children. Your dad can't get a job. You're living in poverty. You have to move. People, you know, throw shit at your door. People threaten you. You have to duck. Things come through the window. You know, the idea that you're only punishing uh, this person is also wrong. The whole family is yeah. living under this very, very dense, dark, and immediate cloud. Yeah. Now, the United States is the only country... In which the sex offender registry is made public. Mm -hmm. And there are a handful of other countries that have sex offender registries, mm -hmm. but they're used only by law enforcement, for mm -hmm. law enforcement, private law enforcement purposes. Mm -hmm. Why is why do we have the distinction of being the the mm -hmm. one exception? And why is it so hard to fight these laws, which after I think about thirty seconds of conversation become clear uh, to, to well, 30 seconds of conversation, maybe. first of all, is more than people usually have when you say there's a sex offender down the block. Well, let me get him. Right. You know, I mean, right. just the word sex, the word sex offender didn't used to exist. It used to be this man is a rapist. This man is a child rapist. This guy's a flasher. This guy goes to prostitutes. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy plays with himself and honey, when you see him on his porch, just keep walking. <laughs> you know, it used to be that we would, A, assume that kids could handle uh, um, seeing somebody that uh, was weird or disturbed, so long as the person didn't touch them. And, and if a person was a rapist, they would go to jail. And if a person was a flasher, you'd go, yuck. Why is America yeah. so obsessed with sex offenders? Why are we so special? Why, why do we care about our children so much? So much more. Um, you know, I don't know. Mm, you know, some pulled out of thin air theories are we are a puritanical country. We've always had a really strange relationship with sex. On the one hand, you know, you can't sell a bottle of beer without 
you know, having somebody practically naked sucking on the bottle during <laughs> uh, an ad on the Super Bowl, and yet, um, you know, but that's I- healthy sexual activity, <laughs> right? But but the idea of a nude beach, you know, just freaks us mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, on the one hand, we're prudish, and on the other hand, everybody thinks that, you know, oh, American girls are loose or whatever. So I think that one theory I once heard is that because we are so, everybody likes to think about sex, but if you feel it's wrong to think about sex and you feel bad about that, and, you know, you are in this puritanical country, sometimes uh, the only way you can legitimately talk about sex is by being upset about it right we all know that we participate to right. a certain degree in activities that society calls bad bad sketchy right right but so if you, but uh, what i'm trying to say is that yeah I, I do feel that i actually want to have an evening sometime where we all come to a uh, an event about how bad the sex offender laws are and we have to write on a little piece of paper maybe the size of a fortune cookie fortune something that we've done that probably would have put yeah. us on the sex offender wow. list and you'd see like everyone you know if there's 90 wow. people in the room there will be 70 pieces yeah. of yeah. of fortune cookies right and there. why is the why is the list only 850,000 people right well why that's why it there? feels like it's just you know if you've had the bad misfortune right. to um You've you know said the wrong thing to the wrong person at right the wrong right, time. right right or your girlfriend was 17 and then tomorrow she was going to be 18 yeah. but too bad yeah. um but anyways what i wanted to say is that the theory is that because we want to talk about sex but because we feel as americans so bad about it the only way we get to talk and think about sex is in the context of disapproval and sort of salacious disapproval it's like did you hear what he did he took those girls and he you know it's like that's terrible i'm against it and then there's that bonding thing again i'm against it oh i'm against it really i'm for trump really i'm for bernie but we both hate sex offenders and it's like you can clink your glasses so it's it's um it's a really easy way for politicians to score points it's yeah. especially if nobody thinks at all deeper. And, and in that way, it's just like the drug war, because you could say, I don't want kids to get hooked on drugs. Let's put those drug dealers away and you go. Yeah, I don't want my kids hooked on drugs. Let's put them away. And we don't stop to think, wait a minute, is somebody selling a joint, you know, a drug dealer? And do I want them in jail for 10 years and not able to provide child support or mm-hmm. not able to see their child grow up? So it's it's an easy way for politicians to score points. It's a it's a topic that, in a way, we love to think and talk about because it allows us finally to talk about sex. And then it's it's very hard for the people who are um, stuck on the list to do much advocating. First of all, they have no money. Right. Uh, they live in the middle of nowhere in a trailer because they can't live near yeah. a school or a bus stop. Um, they may not have education because they've been incarcerated mm-hmm. since they were juvenile. Right. You know, and, you know, it's like, it's just a hard topic to get people to think about beyond, ew, I'm scared of them, or really, do you, do you want one of them down your block? And it's like, well, let's think about who is down the block. That's it. There's there's maps filled with dots that are, quote unquote, sex offenders, and people are scared to let their children outside. That's how I originally got interested in this topic. I'm, I would like to get kids back outside having an old-fashioned childhood, and one of the things stopping parents is that they think that they're surrounded by more evil than when they were growing up. And really what we're surrounded by are a lot of dots of a lot of people that you can read about in The New Yorker who 
don't scare me around my kids and probably wouldn't scare you around your kids once mm. you read their stories. Mm. Let's see if we can finish on a positive note. Okay. What Go sex offenders! <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, Give me an S. <laughs> who's, who's doing good work on this? Who's, oh, what progress there's really is being wonderful made? people out there. Um, Josh is doing work. Josh Gravens. Um, Galen Bachman, who has a hard last name to pronounce, mm-hmm. um, is working on this uh, really well. He's a Soros Justice Fellow this year, working on the issue of indefinite detention, which is a topic we didn't even get to here, which is that sometimes when your sentence is over as a sex offender and you've been doing jail time or prison time and it's about you're about to come out, you'll find out, oh, no, we're going to keep you indefinitely. Why? Well, you're a sexually violent predator. And um, there are hundreds of people who are stuck in cells today who were supposed to be let out. We let murderers out. Mm. We let mm. drug dealers out. We don't let drug pingpins out, but we don't let people, once they have this label, uh, sex offenders out. So um, he's trying to um, bring awareness to that topic. There's a group called RSOL, Reform Sex Offender Laws, that's doing work and having conferences, Women Against Registry. It's all these these interesting topics and the only reason I got interested in them is because I really am interested in what keeps kids safe um, versus what we hysterically think we need to do to keep kids safe. Yeah. So I well, here's here's the positive thing. Okay. Um, nowadays when I talk to people about this topic, when I bring up and I say, oh my God, the sex offender laws, people almost invariably go, yeah, aren't they crazy? Mm. It's like suddenly... It's in the ether. People get it. Just like you say, oh, you know, those drug offenses, like, wow, didn't we put too many people in jail? Wasn't that a wild era? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like talking about when we had the, the satanic panic. It's like everybody mm-hmm. recognizes that that was a moment, you know, a, a short era of going off uh, the rails in terms of criminalizing people. And I think that that's, that's where we are now. I think the Sarah Stillman article is going to be seminal in yeah, like just yeah. really starting to tip tip the balance to why we have to start pulling these laws back instead yeah. of putting more people in jail. Well, I cannot emphasize enough how much you need to read this article. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. Uh, so I hope listeners will click on those links mm-hmm. and read those pieces mm-hmm. and keep these issues in their minds and keep those 850,000 people humans in mind not monsters well thank you so much oh thank you ben yeah i mean you know like my i'm happy my family is in the other room because i don't think they can hear one more word on this subject Uh. but I'm, i'm really happy to talk about it so thank you